This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. And we certainly do that. Phil Tarrant, co-host of Inside Commercial Property, Scott O'Neill, Director, CEO, Rethink Investing. Scott, how you going, mate? Very good, mate. You looking- end, of, end of the year. Only a few weeks left. Yeah. Exciting. You're looking very summery. Yeah. Happy. You, you, mate, you haven't seen a winter in about 10 years, have you? Oh, COVID brought the first winter for a while, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah. horrible. It's it's cold. Horrible. It's horrible. I remember cold. those things. Yeah, <laughs> miserable. How you been, mate? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. No, excited. Uh, everyone's in a good mood this time of year, so mm. but looking forward for a break. I know my team, uh, it's been a very busy, long year for many professionals coming back into the office and... Yeah, getting into that routine again. And uh, how's everyone sort of feeling? They've got the jibbers about all these sort of rising rates and concerns. Do you think people are starting to slow down their spending? Is it hurting the back pocket yet for most Aussies with mortgages? Look, you're definitely hearing about it more on a like an anecdotal point of view, like just talking to you know staff members and people that are buying their first property. But look, the investors, like our numbers are almost identical every month. Like mm. we're, we're still securing, you know, roughly 40 properties per month. The dollar amount is almost identical, you know, around that 50, 60 mil a month. And that is not changing because I don't know if you remember, but we've, there's just so much more demand than the supply of commercials. So yeah. the supply really affects our numbers more than the demand because the demand's there. And even these interest rate rises, I think all the smart investors are looking beyond just the next six months of rates or even 12 months of rates. Like if you can get a deal that's better than it was 12 months ago, then, you know, that's the uh, ultimate goal really. So long-term investors are still active, but I think commercial is also still looking good. It's not a negatively geared product, so it's not as positively geared. No, You know, we discussed that at length last podcast. It's not as good as it was, but it's still uh, a positive situation. So, Mm. you know, if you buy with the right fundamentals, it still makes a lot of sense and that's why the demand's there, I guess. How far do rates need to go before most commercial properties at purchase are negatively geared? I had a client do this calculation themselves yesterday, and they just told me it was about 9% in their exact, and that was about a 6.5% yielding type property. Remember, they're putting a little bit of cash into the deal, mm. roughly 30%. So it takes a lot to make that negatively geared. And Again, like there's a lot of the properties you buy, they might be three months away from a rent increase or 12 months or six months. So there's there's a rising tide with the rents, which is a good thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, the rates have got to go a long way before this starts getting negative. And again, most people are fairly low debt percentage as well. You might start at a 70% debt, yeah, but then it comes uh, quite quickly. Uh, low it rose down if you're sort of P&I mortgages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and you, you sort of speak about, Smart Investors, uh, Scott. We have one in the studio today. You can see him on uh, the YouTube, if that's where you're watching, or the TikTok. You're a TikToker, aren't you? you Definitely know? not. No, <laughs> I haven't got that login sorted. No, no, it's good. But uh, uh, welcome, uh, Chris Hurry. Yeah, thank you so much. So commercial property investor. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Um, enjoy it. Love it. Mm. Want to do more. It's good. And you've been working with these guys for a little while? Yeah. Probably first met back in around uh, just pre-COVID. When did say? Yeah, but pre-COVID, and uh, took us probably about uh, I don't know six nine months or so to get the the first one from that point, and mm. uh, yeah, so I've been working with Scott, so just about to wrap up number three. Okay, that's pretty cool. Well, we'll break down the properties that you've you've acquired, but before we go there, um, how long have you been at this this property game? You know, it's a, uh, it's a new thing for you. No, it's not yeah. so much a new thing. The commercial is. 
relatively new, but uh, when it comes to the residential side, I've always been a bit of a passion for property. Started many, many, many years ago, always thinking that uh, the residentials was the way to, you know, secure the future mm. with a good little passive income and, you know, a bit of growth and so forth. But whereas I had a little bit of luck with some, but with most of them, it was just always negatively geared or, or neutral. Mm. So, you know, always thought that I was doing something wrong, you know, what necessarily wasn't happening right. And I had a bit of a, a experience in one of the commercial properties back in, you know, nearly 20 years ago up at the Gold Coast. At that point, though, I ended up selling it uh, because I had a bit of an issue with the body corporate and the, the overall property managers. And it was a bit of an emotional sell. I just had enough of it and just offloaded it. But at the same time, I didn't take away what I'd learned from that commercial. It was, a, it was actually mixed use of commercial and residential. And I didn't actually take away what I'd learned in the, in the positives, especially the cash flow positive element out of that, and then continue to think about commercial into the future again. I just went straight back into residentials. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a portfolio probably after about 10, 11 resis. From that point, it still wasn't necessarily making me any, any money. Yeah. So now I'm in the process of offloading those residentials and I've since now gone into commercial uh, with Scott and the team and um, I'm uh, not looking back. Not it's looking like, back. No, so no, so no, how, how many resi property, investment properties do you still hold? Um, I still hold about – Probably about six or seven. Okay. Resis. And where are they? It's all over the joint? Uh, Prominent Queensland. Yeah, okay. You know, and because uh, once again, it's probably one of the, the biggest issues that you sort of have is like mm. you sort of invest in your own backyard. wasn't necessarily emotional, but it's the own backyard is the, all that you know. Yeah. But and, to be fair, you probably have pretty reasonable capital growth if you've held them for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that they didn't go up, but mm. in some of them, like one in particular is a townhouse. So it never, ever went up any higher than what the other townhouses were selling for. So, you know, even though you'd think that through this whole COVID time, some of the places in Brisbane would have went up like, you know, 20, 30% or whatever in the value, but no, the townhouse, for example, did not. Yeah. And then once you take into account the, your body corporates constantly going up and your board and your rates and so forth, there's just, I was probably making about a hundred bucks a week out of it. Yeah. You know, in some cases only probably a couple hundred dollars a month. And you still have to deal with having to fix things and there's always Correct. perpetual problems. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of resi property investors, they get to that point where they just go, yeah, I've had enough of it. But you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You've got to start. It's a really good way to get going. So you're selling down. Do you, do you have any debt on your residential properties? Yeah, I do yeah. have some of the debt yeah. uh, on those resis. You know, I mean, just going through the whole process now of sort of selling off the weakest links. Mm. And ironically enough, it was only, only a couple of days ago that one particular townhouse uh, just put a contract on it literally on Saturday to, to sell it all off. And, and uh, from there, that'll just free up cash now to move into the next commercial. Yeah. You know, but um, so I'm slowly just getting rid of all the residentials. And so you're, you're selling down the resi stuff. If there's debt on it, you're paying it back, then it leaves you with the deposit for the next commercial Correct. purchase. And sort of is this just a realisation for you over time that resi property wasn't going to get you where you Abs wanted to go? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once starting to see that I just wasn't making the money and getting the capital returns mm. out of the residential, this knew something was going wrong. And once we started to look into um, the rethink investing and what they're doing, the commercial, and looking at the numbers, because just sort of look at the website and what everybody else is sort of saying. And mm. From that point, it's like, yeah, something's – this looks good. So, so you're about to close out the third commercial deal now. What's the game plan? I could probably guess your age and, you know, you've got a bit of time <laughs> left around still. So so what's the game plan? Are you you're going to just load up on commercial or, you, or you've got a number of commercial properties or the size of the asset base you need and the, and the revenue it's going to create for you? Yeah, like um, – the intent was to probably cap myself out about four slash five yeah. commercials. 
the intent all along was also to replace income, you know, and it's good, nice, clean, passive income. Mm. You know, the last 20 odd years of, you know, I've been successful in my own company, which is great, you know, and I was also fortunate enough to be working very closely with my brother as well through that whole time in the companies. You still mates? Oh, yeah, we're still mates. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I talked to him a lot about the commercial stuff as well, you know, maybe one day I'll flip him into getting one. Mm. But, um, you know, so I've been fortunate enough to have the company, but just sort of burnt myself out now over the last 20 odd years. I just want to be able to replace that income and just be able to just not much do nothing. I'm too hyperactive to do yeah. nothing, but uh, just have that passive income, then have the choice. And that's what the commercial property investing has allowed me to do is to have actually choice and control now over what's actually happening in my life. Mm. Whereas before you were sort of bound to the nine to five and you know, the board or whatever else was driving you and controlling you. No, this has now put control back into my own hands and I can make the choices of what I want to do. So you're pretty active then on the commercial stuff or are you just taking a, a relaxed approach at all? Uh, at the moment, I'm just taking that relaxed approach, mm. leaving the property managers run it. However, I sort of give myself a bit of a plan into next year. The first six months is just to do a bit of a recon. Um, you know, just another look at everything that's actually happening and uh, in my properties and actually look at, okay, what can I do to improve these properties? Mm. And I'll, so I'll, t I'll take a little bit more of an active role next year. However, I'm not going to still do the property management. This is too hard yeah, basket yeah. for me right yeah. now, you know, but I will be a lot more active as like, okay, well, what, you know, uh, look at uh, taking what I um, actually learned from the books. I've read the book a couple of times there mm. now. And um, start to look at, okay, how my property's performing based off, you know, other properties in the area, what other capital improvements can be done, when's the lease is going to be up for renewal, what can I start to do to get more equity and more money out of those commercial properties and then move from number three into number four and number five. So I want to leverage the three to buy number four and number five. Mm. You know, I don't want to necessarily keep on dipping into cash because my other cash is just rolled into residentials, you know, where I live and so forth. But, you know, I want to be able to leverage what I've got now in the commercial to buy number four and number five. So this idea of um, replacing your income, replacing your salary through passive cash flow coming out of, well, positive cash flow coming out of commercial assets, have you chosen your number and said this is what I'll earn a year or is it it's already sort of starting to go up a little bit? <laughs> um, you always have a, um, you know, a uh, bit of a North Star when it mm. comes to, you know, what, what you want to achieve and it's always a bit of a stretch. You always have that stretch target. I've always had that stretch. But, you know, it, it'd be great. I always want to aim around to hit the fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a month mark, mm. you know, when it comes to a passive. And do I need that? No, I don't. But once again, it's a stretch. It's good money. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here saying that I, I can't survive on that or anything like mm. that by any extent. But that's what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And because if you sort of know my background, it's always goal orientated. So mm. it's like that's the stretch. Okay, that's where I want to be. And then once I get to that point, then I go, okay, I'll flip all that that money will then move back into other investments, and, yeah. which is continue to grow. But I'm just always sort of pushing myself to that stretch. Yeah. So if you're looking at 600 grand a year in income, uh, post everything connected with commercial ownership, how big a portfolio do you need for that, Scott? That's uh, that's moving. Well, it's a moving target now with yeah. the interest rates. So yeah. you could do it with a lot less property 12 months ago. You could. But yeah, look, if you're working off, you know, I'm just really rough numbers, you buy a million dollars of property, your interest rates, call it 5%, you know, there's 70% debt there. So what's that? 35 grand of interest and you're getting a 7% return. So so you're making about 35 grand every million you spend. So $10 million property, 350 clear. So, mm. you know, you're probably looking 
15, 16 mil of property with debt Yeah, off the top of my head. That's sort of what I'd be looking at. And obviously that will uh, squeeze, like the average interest rate we're seeing with clients is still around that kind of low fives at the moment, depending on which bank you talk to, there's one increase coming or two mm. or none, depending on, on, they've got a bit of a spread at the moment. So yeah, look, the numbers are going to probably stay roughly where they are over the next 12 months. So yeah, like it's quite achievable, but yeah, you need sizable deposits to get, mm. it's a very large passive income, but it's a good one. Like I think goals are super important with commercial because you need to have that number and it gives you a reason why you're investing, not just like how many properties I've got to buy. You know, that's the common one in residential. Like I want 10 properties before I'm X amount of years ahead. And that's kind of irrelevant, really. Yeah. It's it's all about the income. Um, I know my initial goal was to replace my wife's income when I was working and then it moved to my income and then it, you know, it went beyond that. And it's sort of just each year you've got to have a new new goal. So Christmas is a great time to, or that early January quiet period, just sit down and go, what are my goals? What can I uh, push for this year professionally, health-wise, like whatever it is, mm. just just write them all down and it's Use so the time. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's um, and, and look, the numbers start getting big when you look at generating that as a you know an income passive cash flow. But it's all achievable. I guess the biggest biggest sort of handbrake to investing in um, commercial property is really getting a chunk to, for, to finance the deposit, right? You know, for every million bucks in commercial property, well, you need 300 grand as a deposit then plus all the stuff connected in with it. So, you know, what, what would be a really easy sort of metric for people to work on? For every million bucks, you need how much cash to get in? 350. 350. Yep. So just another 50 on top of 300. Yeah, about yeah. 5% buying costs. Yeah, stamp duty. Yep. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's very capital intensive and mm. that's forever what the barrier is for most people. So, and this is why you start in residential because you don't go into this with 50 grand deposits, but yeah. you can do that with resi. And, you know, the idea is you you might buy a few residential properties. This is for people just starting out. Do what Chris did. You, you buy a handful of those maybe and then let a, a number of years pass by and all of a sudden you've got equity, which you can refinance out or do what Chris and I have both been doing, selling off because they don't solve a problem at some point. Like that, you can hold resi and just play the long-term game. But like once you're at this stage, they don't do anything for you. Mm. It's an admin, you know, and then maybe you sell a bit. Yeah, you're selling your profits off, pay your tax on it, transition it into a higher cash flow product because um, you're going to get as much growth in this as well. And especially if you start looking at value-add strategies as well, I think you can make it more equity plus more cash flow. It's kind of the best of both worlds. But like we said in that last podcast, there are greater risks and uh, you've got to know what you're doing in this space too. And that's the um, other barrier to entry. Yeah. So you're happy commercial investing then, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah? I'm very happy. What aren't you happy about? Ah, uh, well, I'm not happy about like in the commercial side. Yeah, just in commercial investing. Oh, gee. This is not a, a <laughs> podcast about life. It's a <laughs> podcast about commercial property. <laughs> Um, listen, it's difficult for me to say what I don't like about it because it's, I'm still on such a big learning journey, mm, yeah. you know, so I haven't really probably unwrapped and discovered a lot of the things I don't necessarily like yet. Like I haven't gone through the issues of, you know, vacancies and, and all that sort of stuff mm. yet or the big capital expenditures. I just haven't gone through that particular part yet. But at the same time, I'm preparing for it. Like, you know, once again, taking the, uh, the lessons learned from what Scott and I mean to put in the book, well, you know, making sure that there's you know budgeting and you're saving for those those times. So 
I'm just spending that time at the moment to plan for the future, but I haven't really gone through a lot of negatives yet. Mm. You know, um, it's been a very interesting journey. It's been good. Well, it's best to uh, work on your education when times are good, right, rather yeah, than trying to learn when things are bad. And yeah. So how proactive are you in that sort of education? Is it just through osmosis you pick up stuff or you're more structured in your learning? Uh, I'm more structured. Yeah, okay. So I was spending the next few months now, you know, taking from, you know, the pointers in the books and, and obviously the discussions I have with Scott mm. and actually planning for the future, and I'll be very structured. You know, I'm probably a bit of a detailed sort of type of guy and driven towards a certain outcome. So I'll just sit there and I'll just work my spreadsheets and I'll work my methods and so forth and to, to, to a point that I'm happy with. And then um, from that, I'll then apply it like and reevaluate everything that I've got mm. and, you know, remove the weakest link, so to speak, out of the properties. Even though those properties could be making some money, I'll just remove the weakest link because I know then that I can turn that cash from that weakest one into something which is a lot making me more money. Yeah. And I'm not going to turn around and say that, you know, you don't, never sell any of the commercials either. If one of the commercials is one of the weakest link, if I can take that money out of that commercial and move it into a more and you know, a higher yielding sort of investment, then I will. Mm. You're always reviewing the weakest ones you got. Not to say that they're weak or they're not making you money, but it's just reviewing and being aware of what you've got. Awareness yeah. is actually one of the biggest Awareness challenges. is key, you know, yeah. situational awareness, right? Knowing Absolutely. what's going on, it's an aviation term, but it really explains well, knowing what's going around, around you, you, yeah. you know, 360 degrees up, down, left, right, mm -hmm. you know, and trying to sort of plan for the future, right? Absolutely. Pulling all the different things like the weather, the economy. Are you mm -hmm. worried about the economy? Are you worried about sort of negative sentiment for business growth? They're, they're predicting growth in the economy, but they reckon it's going to be a bit sort of lackluster compared to years prior. The government, all this sort of stuff, you no worries. There's always some aspects of the government that mm. you sort of you do get a bit worried about. You know what's going to be in store for the future. But when it comes to you know these sort of my investment strategy at the moment, I'm not really too concerned about it. I'm just focused on achieving certain goals and outcomes. What I mm. want out of my commercial properties and properties as a whole, and that's where I focus on. Keep my attention because that's in my control. Yeah. A lot of the other things are outside of my control. I've just got to live with it and go with the flow. And that's it, right? You can't fight those things because you just uh, never in battle. Yeah, that's it. You got to best, you got to take what you have got and best prepare for the future. Yeah, you know, um, and that's exactly what I'm doing, and that's where the commercial stuff has really played a long way. Mm. So you, uh, Chris keeps mentioning your book. I can't remember the name <laughs> of it. Scott, what is it? Uh, Rethink property. Investing? Okay. I nearly forgot <laughs> <laughs> Can you still get it? Is it still available? Yeah, look, we're doing an update on it because it was written pre-COVID. So okay. I'm just going to try and make it a bit more evergreen because like a lot's changed since then. Yeah. Like it, it's a different world and um, yeah, and the book, it's sold a lot and it's influenced a lot of people into this space. So we we'll want to make it kind of up to date. So yeah, there's a little bit of um, stuff, but if anyone had feedback on it, like what extra chapters or whatever, yeah, shoot it through because that's something I'll be looking in the new year to yeah. do. What's the best way to contact you guys again? Just... Uh, info at rethinkinvesting.com. Okay. So thousands of people have read the book. So, yeah, any feedback, good or bad, would love it. Well, mate, I was going to actually ask you what, because he's an engineer by trade, which makes him a bit strange when it comes to numbers and stuff. Mm. What, what's what's your trade? <laughs> well, I am an accountant, actually. Okay, there but, you go. Uh, but I've never practiced it. Never practiced it. Yeah, <laughs> no. okay. But I've always had the passion in uh, financial technology. Okay. So uh, back-end payment processing systems yeah. and banking systems and so forth. That's where the passion has always so been. So you're comfortable around spreadsheets? I'm um, very yeah, comfortable yeah, around yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, it's always a big numbers game in that industry. Yeah. But once again, it doesn't mean to say that I'm an expert in what we're doing here in the commercial side either. There's a yeah. lot to learn. 
But uh, that's my background is in financial technology. So um, I'm fortunate enough in that regard yeah. to have that. Uh, that's cool. Well, I was going to say your book, mate, I, I can send it back to you with some red pen all over all the typos Love and it. grammatical errors and Bring you know, it on. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm sure I could find it. something in there. I hope so. Dust it off. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think what, what more I would add to your book. I think you'd, you'd have to update it now the numbers have changed, yep. you know, around. And, and listen, we, we sort of broke this down last time we got together on, on this podcast was like we took a contrarian view to commercial property investment, which is a really good way to sort of stress test it, red teaming if you want to call it, you know, going, okay, what's, where's all the problems with it? And, and you're not making as much money at the moment. Um, yep. But this is a moment in time. Yeah, so just explaining a bit more of that, like, you know, it's really about how much you're going to make over a 10-year period once you all add it up. Like, a, a year one equation is quite irrelevant. Mm. It's it's about the year two plus year three plus year three. You know, that's what you want to look at, average all that out. And it's very hard for many people I've witnessed to see a 10-year picture, you know, because it's a cash flow that kind of builds on itself and you kind of got to look at an average interest rate, what you think it's going to be over an average length of time. And not get so fixated on today's because if you look at the interest rate right now, it's going to make a different decision than you did six months ago. Like six months ago, I was still looking at five, six percent rates mm. when any decision I'd ever make because two percent was a fairy tale. You know, that wasn't going to last forever. And if it did, I think there'd be bigger problems because asset values were going through the roof mm. quicker than we could keep up. So we're now seeing yields. Um, they're basically stabilized in most strong markets and that's kind of, as a buyer's agent, that's the best thing because now I see really good value again because it was getting stupid before. And um, yeah, so just sort of explaining how money over time works and what that looks like for future capital growth. And yeah, the book, we wrote it fairly quickly in a COVID kind of environment. So, you know, I felt there's more detail we can include. Like we, we've been talking for two years on this topic yeah. and we're going to go for a lot longer because- it's endless. The, the amount. Uh, you could probably just transcribe these things and put it in the book and it's all there. You know, it's probably, <laughs> might be a bit easier for you. But, uh, <laughs> get, get the old ghostwriter out. And could do. Yeah. And that, by the way, that's not me. I'm not, <laughs> definitely not doing that. But um, uh, yeah, I look forward to that coming out and it gives you something to do over the Chrissy break at least. So start thinking about that and, uh, and doing it. Do, do things stop over Christmas for commercial property? Is it a good time to buy property? Pre-Christmas, Christmas? Yeah. yeah. It's quiet. January mm. is the quietest month of the year, no doubt. Like stock is is – brutally low fresh stuff doesn't really come out probably end of january so yeah the industry does go to sleep a bit mm. lawyers are away property managers are on their big break you've got the, the sales agents that are on beaches somewhere so like yeah deals are still done but it's low volume so december it's quite action-packed until the 23rd of december every yeah. year and then uh it doesn't really start getting going until Feb. Okay. That's sort of my experience. And then there's a lot of listings in February, so that's a good month to be active because you get that kind of blast that people are delaying listing from this year to next year. Yeah. And then it kind of the next quiet period is probably around that Easter period. So, mm. yeah, that uh, late summer is very busy. There's no winter selling season in commercial. It kind of just goes through. That's one big difference from resi to commercial. Spring is winter. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's all the same. Because it's it's businesses, commercial investors, funds selling, yeah. Um, so they're they're very busy actually at the end of the financial year, selling and doing yeah. stuff. People offloading stuff and getting recalibrating for the next financial year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's good, Scott, to actually have someone coming have a bit of yarn with us who's comfortable around commercial property and and obviously Chris is sort of. It's a journey that a lot of people have gone through and all going through. This is sort of beefing up a resi portfolio and then working out. It's just too much sweat equity for not enough yield and, and shifting in the, in the commercial. We'll have a chat about 
some of the properties that you've skewered, Chris. So you guys started speaking sort of just before COVID, COVID hit. I don't know if that slowed down everything for you. You were still working your business then? Or yeah, was absolutely. It, yeah. Still work. yeah, it was towards the end of it. So uh, that's when I started to really think about what, what's going to be my investment mm. strategies moving forward because I was sort of coming to the end before, you know, selling out the business and so forth. So yeah. I wanted to work out what's going to happen. Working out. And, um, you know, obviously spoke pre-COVID. One of the first one that uh, got into is actually up in Townsville. Okay. Yeah, industrial site up in Townsville. Townsville. Yes. <laughs> uh, how did you? Okay. What, what did you? What did you buy? It's actually uh, in the industrial sites up there, and um, I can't even actually recall the, the all the information about it now. But um, I think I end up paying about two mil for it, and um, it's a scaffolding company actually okay. up in Townsville. So it was a hard floor stand up there. It's about five thousand square meters. I think it was up there, if I remember correctly. You know, it's got a, a warehouse and so forth on it. Great return, and that was sort of my first step into commercial. It's also got a billboard on it, which is a separate. Um, oh, okay, you uh, own a billboard? No, 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 no. no. It was a, it's, it's a, an advertising billboard on the side. Yeah. So, so it's sort of uh, two. Oh, they rent, rent they the, rent the space off you. Yeah. Two different rents yeah, coming okay. through on the one spot with oh. the billboard on it. So you need six hundred k. So you about seven hundred k. You needed to get going with it. Seven hundred k into it. Yeah, with, yeah. A, with a little bit of other things. Yeah. And did you raise that deposit through selling off a resi thing, or was it just sort of some ashtray money you had lying around? <laughs> uh, no, it was through. Um, at that point, it was uh, selling off some resis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of yield are you getting on that place? Uh, if I remember correctly, it was around the seven percent return. A uh, yield, yep, at that point. All right, nice. So positive cash flow. So what, what's that sort of providing now annually into the the slush fund for replacing your, your income? Yeah, it's probably returning uh, after all net costs at the moment around the $70,000 to $80,000 a year okay. So uh, now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it's a nice start. So yeah, it's so just, to, to just about, about seven more of them, eight more of them. I think at the time when you bought it, Chris, so seventy percent mortgage at three percent, that was a hundred grand mm. clear, and now at five percent, seventy four grand, seventy four k. So you, so I keep an eye on my numbers, and that that brings true actually from where I'm at at the moment, about seventy odd grand a year mm. out of that one, which is great. Yeah, for sitting back and not doing much. So that's that's one commercial asset, pretty much generating the average Australian income. Yeah, just you know. Yeah. But you need 700k to get going. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, so essentially you've got to put 10 years worth of capital into it to pull back 70k a year out yeah, of it. It's always the, the the long plan. And when it comes to uh, investing in resis first, building up some of that equity, removing the um, uh, those resis and pushing the equity into into the commercial side or leveraging even the place, your own principal place of residence, mm-hmm. for example, like that if you've got equity in that, then you're able to borrow a bit more um, in, to get in the commercial because yeah. at the end of the day, the numbers stack up, plain and simple. Yeah, and and long-term tenant, probably not going anywhere, you know, scaffolding, there's a lot of stuff happening inside. There's a lot of stuff happening. The, yeah. the people we bought it from were actually the um, the tenants, mm. so they owned the property. You get that a lot, don't you? You know, lease, lease back, lease back. Yeah, yeah. lease backs. Um, I'd say one out of four. Yeah. Very common. So 25% of the time we're doing a lease back and it's – it's just businesses don't want to have two million stuck in a property, and they might go buy more scaffolding, you know, yeah. because they know there's a boom coming up. Which um, there's a building boom up in Townsville going on, so you can't get builders out there because they're just so flat out. It's a really good market for industrial up there, and we're seeing rents grow quick. So the market is going in the right direction up mm. there, and that's that's going to be a long term benefit. But yeah, two million in a property or two million into business, 
staff or uh, stock. You know, that's the reason these guys sell a lot of the time. The key is to check it's done at the right rate. So I remember we were looking at this. It was a 116 a square meter. There were comparable rentals all in that kind of, you know, low hundreds to mid hundreds. So it stacked up. It was a fair rent. And if the leaseback is done at the fair rent, rental rate, then um, the risk is quite low because if that tenant bails on you, you're going to get the same rent, if not more, with the next tenant. So yeah, that's the key. Have you spent much time in Townsville, Scott? Oh, not a great deal, but yeah. um, I, I nearly bought a pub up there, which I, I pulled the pin on last minute. It was sort of about a year and a half ago, so I put a lot of time in there. But we've helped 100 clients purchase in Townsville. So it's a market we deal with. You know, about ninety percent off market up there. It's we we know all the agents, we know the good parts of the market, and it's just a good workers town. Like it's not a tourist dependent area. It's got plenty of industries just powering it, and the key is it's it's coming off a low base. Like you're buying below replacement cost still. You know, for these warehouses, so that's a yeah. good fundamental always. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about doing a trip up to um Townsville in the new year. I've I've, I've never been up there. Stop and I'd like to sort of check it out to get a feel for it, right? Stop at the wet Sundays on yeah. the way up there. Have you, you, you've, been, you've been in the Townsville? And- uh, I've sort of uh, – I haven't been there for many years. Like, it should be noted that even have got these commercial properties, I actually haven't seen them yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't necessarily need to once you've got the good managers and everything in place. But – but up through that area, it's beautiful up there with the wet Sundays, nice, relaxing. So yeah. I recommend that. Yeah. Well, um, we should go up there. I know the uh, the federal member up there pretty well, uh, Philip Thompson. I've been sort of telling him that we're going to do a trip up to Townsville, yeah. have a look at defence stuff, but also the property market. So oh, maybe yeah. maybe we can do a well, that's maybe the other thing, a trip. The big defence force. And that's they're, um, they've really increased the budgets up there. So yeah. a lot more personnel up there. And that's um, a lot of defence housing and... Yeah, we buy industrial properties kind of right near the airport there mm. as well. So it's just it's just a good priced asset. And I remember there was a yeah, a lot like we got in there like early as well when mm. people were saying, Oh, it's not the right time to invest. But I'm, I was just looking at the yields were great, vacancies were below, the rents were just so cheap. Like you go go to neighboring towns like um, you know, some of the other major regional centers and the rents were about fifty percent higher yeah. per square meter. So it doesn't like there's just value for a tenant there and all these things kind of add up to a uh, upside. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, I'm sure uh, Philip Thompson MP be happy that we're singing the praise about Townsville. He yeah. tells me it's a pretty good place. So uh, uh, anyway, so what was the next next purchase, uh, Chris? Uh, it was actually south of Perth. Okay, a little beach area called Quinana. Quinana, Quinana Beach. I, I've never ever heard of that. It's about thirty minutes or so. I think it is south of Perth. Okay, uh, that was the next one. Mm. Um, that one was a, a big place, like a big. I'm not going to say it's not a Bunnings, but it's a big warehouse sort of type Bunnings <laughs> okay. sort of type scenario. Uh, great tenant in place, and um, you know great returns as well. Like it's a six thousand square meter site. Okay, uh, all wow. industrial again, just under one roof. Like so, there's just one tenant. Yeah, just yeah, one, ten- one, one tenant. tenant. Yeah. yeah. So warehousing again, is it? Yes. Yeah. So good annual increases across the rents. Yeah. Uh, great returns. Uh, once again, looking at a, if I remember correctly, the yield itself was. Um, Closer, you know, 5.6 up, you know, um, 5.6, 5.7%. Yeah, cool. And how much you pay for it? Uh, that one was uh, just around $6 million. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's a that's a reasonable in. Uh, so you've had to stump up a few shekels there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. That was a big check to write. Uh, it was. Yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, definitely you know, hurt the hip pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's that providing now as uh, income to you annually, sort of based on sort of current interest rates thereabouts? 
Uh, at the moment, it's probably bringing it around 230 to 240 grand a year. Yeah, 240k per annum. Yeah, after everything. Yeah, it's good, stable tenant, no issues, no yeah, worries. It's uh, yeah. you know one of the top businesses, uh, public listed companies okay. in Australia. Yeah, sitting down there. Yeah, so, so they're not going anywhere. And and it's a big site, like you know, I bet they look after everything, right? There's a beauty of commercial property. Like. Yeah, and that was also one of the things that I really discovered when it comes to going down the the journey of commercials. Like, mm. I don't have to do anything. You know, the tenant pays all outgoings. Yeah. Land taxes, rates, water, maintenance, upkeep, everything. And if they leave, it's all about making good. So yeah. it was, whereas, you know, the, on the resi side, it's completely the opposite. So, but these guys uh, take care of everything. Work with the um, property manager over there. We've got our budgets in place when it comes to the outgoings. Every single month, the tenant just pays a certain amount of money towards the outgoings. And mm. then we just do a shore up at the end of the financial year. It's and nice. Took it off. And how'd you go about finding this place, Scott? Was it sort of uh, off market deal? Yeah. Just one of the, um, just, it was like a smaller agent that doesn't deal with this. And because it was an ASX listed tenant, I remember I just did one of those kind of um, posts on Facebook, you know, showing the numbers, no address and all that. But I had all the uh, auction houses reach out going, oh, let me know if your client wants to sell because this is like the type of property they love auctioning because it's mm. ASX tenant, long lease. It just looks, it's like one of those trophy looking type properties, like big brands all over it, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So that's why the yield was sharper. Sub 6% is what we'd class as a sharper yield, but you're getting it back in kind of like the endless security of a tenant that just will not move yeah. like because they're protecting market share against some of the other big boy competitors have got. So, yeah, you can kind of just close your eyes with this and fast forward 20 years and they're probably still going to be there and rent's going to be higher and, yeah, and, and the banks love this type of stuff too. Mm. So, yeah, off-market deal and, yeah, if you wanted to flip it, uh, Chris would make a profit because this would be one of those ones that sell it probably a, closer to it's like a sub 5% net yield. Um, yeah, because that's what they do at auctions these yeah. days. So, okay. Mm. But that'll nice. fluctuate over time as interest rates go up and down too. Yeah, and so property three, which you're working on right now, are you? Yeah, yeah it's all okay. unconditional and okay. it settles next month actually. Okay. Where and what is uh, it? That one's down in Tari. In Tari? Yeah. Oh, wow. Up in Tari. Tari. It says about three hours. It's only about three hours from Sydney now, Tari. Yeah, you know, okay. The road's a lot better. Yeah, so this next to. one here is I've stepped up a bit more. Uh, mm. So it's the $9 million. Okay. It's got a um, it's basically uh, one of the supermarkets in it. One of the- Okay. Yeah. It's like a shopping centre. No, it's not as much a shopping centre. Yeah, it's it's like, just yeah. got a good- It's got an IGA in there, actually. Okay. Um, which is a- It's a great one uh, to get- to you know, sort of finish out the year with. Okay, so it's just got one location, one tenant, nine yeah. million bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the high street. Must be sort it's, of pretty it's well right located. In, yeah, yeah, right in the the centre of town. Okay, wow, that's and uh, it's you know it's got backed rent there as well. Mm. You know, and the good one about this one is that it's got a you know ten plus ten year options on the lease okay. as well. So it's got a lease now up until twenty twenty seven, if I remember correctly. And yeah, 2027, 15 year lease up to 2027, and then two by 10 year options on top of that. Okay. And once again, it's a case of you know, built in CPI increases and it's a set um, and forget, really. Set and forget. Yeah. yeah. Especially when it comes to sort of these recession proof type businesses, you mm. know, well, with the supermarket, someone's got to eat, right? Yeah. And what's it providing to you in positive sort of cash flow now? If I remember correctly, uh, about the 300, 380,000. Okay. So you pretty much, you're 380 plus 240. Plus 70, right? Yeah. You're well on your way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're on your way. <laughs> well yeah. and truly on the way. <laughs> yeah. And the beauty about it too is I do have some high-performing resis as well. Mm. I'm not going to say I don't have any of the high-performing resis. I do. Yeah. 
But um, I'll be happy with, like I said, number four, number five on the commercial mm. side, and I'm sort of just sort of happy to. So what's next? So you gone from two million bucks to six million bucks to nine million bucks. Are you going north, or are you going to stay around that? Is you not quite sure yet. Yeah. I'll uh, have those discussions with Scott yeah, and with regards to what out. the next strategy is. But like I said, you know, it's a case of I'd have no problems in removing the weakest ones mm. out of it to continue to grow yeah. further. I'll always be looking at you know nice stable tenants. You know, I've always had a bit of a an idea about getting a one of the properties which has got medical in it or yeah. something like that. Once again, it's recession proof sort of type businesses. I'm not really interested in the supermarket type of. Oh, sorry, when I say supermarket, like with not with the Atari one, but um, you know, cafes and you know, sort of like those, smaller little stuff. You know, yeah, it's sort of too hard basket. You know, um, I, I just don't. I don't have a passion for those ones. I want to be able to have those recession-proof type businesses. Yeah, there? and you've never been to any of these properties. Never, never. No. Well, you have to bit. pop up as a mystery shopper, have a look, have a little nose around, <laughs> and kick the tires. You know, oh, you know, jump in the car, and go for a drive. Yeah, no, but um, no, I, but it goes to it. You know, this is they're not emotional investments. Not, it, no. it is you're, you're buying capital growth and you're buying income. Absolutely, and that's one of the key takeouts as well. Is that the times that I've sort of lost money when it comes to property mm. is when you've had the emotional element into it. Yeah. You're investing into whether regardless whether it's residential, commercial, it's a business. It's you want there to make the money, so you take the emotions out of it. As soon as you bring emotions into a business deal, you're going to lose money out of it. Yeah. So, so, so how, how are you holding these these properties? What sort of structure inside of trusts? Yes, okay. trusts, multiple yeah. trusts, multiple, multiple companies. Yeah. So, so every property has its own. No, it has own its own trust. entity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the purpose of that is risk management, yeah. continuity, succession, all land that sort of stuff. Too. Land tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a whole variety of different things. So you got someone smart advising you on on this stuff from a taxation yeah. point of view. From it, yeah, I've got yeah. a great accountant in place, mm. and um, also some other advisors as well that yeah. help me out with what I'm doing, just to make sure everything's structured correctly. Because the long term play here is not just sort of for myself, but I'm doing this for my kids. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, simple. Aren't they great generational assets? Right, like yeah. you know, you get a free pass to your kids. You well, know, the, in some way, yeah. The know. good thing about it too is just I've you know passed this book on to my daughter as well. Mm. You know, because in everything that I'm doing. It's not as if I'm not educating them. I'm saying, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm going about mm. it and what it ultimately means. They're not getting a free ride by any extent, mm. you know, but they are being educated along the way because if I'm going to learn something, I'd rather pass it down. And everything that I'm buying here at the are moment- they, Are they interested in it? Do they care? Um, my daughter is. Yeah. Like, you know, she's 16 now, so yeah. she's got a bit of a passion. My, my son, he's a little bit younger. Yeah, um, he's, but he's, like, okay, he's a boy. You know, yeah. Let's ride a bike and off we go. <laughs> but, um, you know, he'll definitely start to- mm. You know, as they get a bit older, they'll take a bit more of an interest. So he's not yeah. so much into it at the moment. But my daughter's going, oh, yeah, what's this about? And so I will actually explain things through to her. She may not necessarily always get it, mm. but I will try to explain and educate as I go along. Yeah, you're better off that education process to be long-term, right? You don't yeah. want to you know, cram on this stuff, you know, just through osmosis, mm. learning on the way. So Well, really we've capable. made mistakes along the way. So mm. if we can say why we went about doing things or why I did things this way, made the mistake, and this is what I learned – keep this in mind for the future, then, you know, that's a great step up. You just, it's yeah. something you won't learn at school. So, um, but everything I'm doing at the moment is just purely all for them, you know, and, you know, obviously for myself, you know, yeah. from a lifestyle perspective and, you know, to get myself through, but everything will all just flow down through to the kids. Yeah, that's cool. And, and, and how are the lenders at the moment with, you know, you've got sort of all this positive cash flow, which, you know, shows serviceability. I don't know if you, you're generating an income elsewhere, but um, are they happy to lend you money? The moment the banks, yeah, they are happy to, mm. but there are a few changing goalposts happening. Mm. Uh, plain and simple, you know, they are looking at the locations for sure. 
they want to know where they're at and how much money they are making, but they they still do look at some of the, your personal income to it as well. And that's yeah. one of the things that's on my list for next year as well, looking at my structure again, making sure that I'm generating income in the right ways, Yeah, especially back to myself personally, to ensure that the banks are happy as well. So there is a little bit of work there to be done. Like I am doing consulting work as mm. well. I don't necessarily work full time anymore and I don't want to go back to that yeah. that, that part. But I am still, you're, generate, you're still generating I'm still generating income through yeah. on the side through my consulting, which is all great. But when it comes to the banks and the lending, yeah, they are, you know, the more and more and more you get, they are starting to look at, okay, what's the exposure? You know, we know what's what other income are you generating? Mm. But the least, the best thing just to go down is just the lease stock loans as well, because then it's the loan based wholly and solely straight off the income generating out of that particular product. Um, but still, once again, they still come back and look at, well, what else do you have? <laughs> yeah. And and the plan with these properties is just so you're still acquiring property, so you're not looking to pay down, you know, the debts on these current assets other than just your sort of principal payments into it. At a point in time, do you think you'll stop and then just start trying to pump all this money down into debt paying so it's completely unencumbered at a point in time? Yeah, that, yeah. that would be the plan. It's not part of my current strategy. Yeah, okay. um, you know, my current strategy is purely debt, interest only, um, making sure that uh, obviously the yield and the return is there to pay yeah. off the interest only component because it's an investment. Mm. You know, I'm quite happy to pay that. It's using that money over there to get generated income over here. And then from there, I'll just continue to grow and grow and grow. But it will get to a certain point where you cap out. Mm. And then I'll probably start to consider, okay, where am I at with my residentials, security across residentials versus my commercials. I'll then start to pay down all my residentials, any security elements on there. And before I start to flip it back to the commercial side. But when it comes to paying down the principal element of my commercial, that's, that's right here, right now. It's not a high priority for yeah, me at all. It's yeah. purely growth, 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 growth. Yeah, and have a good uh, tax account to sort out the backside of it all. Oh, yeah. yeah it's good. Yeah, I, I run everything all through zero myself personally. Yeah, okay. All, everything is just all- Just there. It's all there. You could run as a business. Yes. That's cool. Well, let us, uh, next time you buy something, come and update us. That'll be really good uh, whenever that happens and takes oh, place. Oh, I'm sure so it'll be next year for sure. It'll be next like year at some point. Yeah. Definitely. I've already told Scott to look for number four. Yeah, I haven't yeah. finished number three. So you're in que <laughs> Queensland, Western Australia, New South Wales, so you get a good spread there. Mm. Well, it might, might be time just to do that road trip all around Australia and, you should do. and, and see the uh, see the property. You, could do, you can do the lap, right? <laughs> yeah, hitch, up a, hitch up a gold-plated caravan to the oh, back no. of your car. Oh, no, yeah. no, I'll be fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming in, Chris. I really enjoyed No, it's been chat. great to, yeah. to have a chat mm. and uh, just talk about things and, yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. And it gives us a, a different lens of view. Sort of property investors, they come in all sort of shapes and sizes. A lot of people sort of get fixated at you know these two, three million dollar properties, but um, there is completely other world, isn't it? Yeah, and I thought it'd be good to bring Chris in because like he's buying the trophy assets, like mm. the ones we all you know want to strive for. And I think, I guess the main message is you like you. It takes time, and you can build yourself up to this. You don't have to have to just have a very successful business. Um, like we're dealing with, still most of our sales are sort of under one point five mil. Um, mm. But it, uh, this is what you work up to because once you buy them, it is going to be something that you pass on to yeah. the next generation. And and what a great asset to have for that next generation because they're they're big established businesses that have done you know stood the test of time and. But yeah, it requires a lot of capital. So it's, yeah, you've got to take baby steps to get into this stuff. But if you're uh, lucky enough to have, you know, like a good business and experience like Chris, you you literally can get these types of results that I don't think people think are possible. Mm. You know, building that amount of passive income, 
you don't really hear about it no. ever. Um, and it's very possible. And, and Chris Well, is, it truly is passive, right? Like you've got to manage your properties and stuff, but you can head off for six months, right? You have to worry too much. That's, absolutely. That's the, that's the goal. So mm. it's good. Thanks, guys. Uh, Scott, uh, thanks uh, for 2022. We'll be back again in 2023 for season whatever it is of Inside Commercial Season Public. three now. Season three. Snuck Jesus up. Christ. And we've still got plenty of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I thought we'd be running out after about 10 episodes, yeah. but uh, the market just keeps giving us it's little curveballs. It's a gift that keeps giving, yeah. and, uh, and that'll be something we can continue to discuss over 2023. Um, I reckon there's still another couple of – 25 basis points uh, rises um, February and March potentially is what my read of the market is. So yeah, um, but then I think we'll probably stop. So what did um, I think Westpac said two more rises, mm. Combank said one, Macquarie said none. So let's see who's, who's yeah. right. But we're sort of getting towards the top, right? We're, we're pretty close to the top. Um, yeah, we've got two months now. Uh, well, sort of up until the start of February when the RBA meets again. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how. The data around spending sort of flows through and see how much uh, Aussies are hurting. But, you know, we'll give it uh, some – with a view of uh, commercial property, and that'll be 2023. Um, info at au is where you need to go for more info. You guys are busy until Chrissy and then probably slowing down a bit. So if you want to get going, when's the best time to touch base with you guys, sort of late Jan? Yeah, look, just uh, reach out any time in January and, um, yeah, we'll obviously have a chat. We're, we're back on deck on the 9th mm. of January, so – yeah, it's a good time to sort of give yourself about a three-month window to start looking, you know. Cool. And, um, yeah, depending on your budget, there's obviously different waiting periods and that. But, uh, yeah, there'll be good buying next year. I think if you are going to look to buy in the next five years or so, there's, uh, there's a lot of reasons to think that the next six months will be the best time. Mm. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Inside Commercial Property. Uh, we'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye.